To give a focus here tonight, I'd like you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Here we see the heart of Paul in prayer for a church that he had never been to, but was very much involved in probably their pastor who was Epaphras, and uh, very burdened for this church. And we get a real insight, I believe, as to how we should pray. Now, what precipitated our prayer meeting here tonight was that God has been so gracious to us over these last couple of months to give us opportunities to give the gospel to literally uh, thousands of people. And uh, between the Veterans Day banquet, other opportunities that we've had, and then the Christmas outreach, uh, the uh, gospel has gone forth in many different ways. And our burden, of course, is that God would lead, guide, direct, superintend, starting on the 4th, our reaching out to these people that God has given to us as a stewardship. Let's remember that every person that sat in these chairs that did not know the Lord, every person that entered the village that did not know the Lord, everyone that sat at the banquet tables, and vast number of those there at the banquet did not know the Lord, Remember, every one of those are eternal souls. They're going to live somewhere forever. And eternity is a very real matter. And so we're burdened here to pray that God would superintend our time and to direct and guide us and prepare us. However, the biggest issue, though those matters are extremely important, I'm going to re-mention those again in a few minutes the biggest issue is for God to work in the hearts of his own people and in the body of Christ in particular. When we are where we ought to be spiritually and there is the fire of God upon God's people, it's amazing what happens. People not only get saved, many times the first time they get talked to, but then they go right on for the Lord. It's amazing how God will use the gospel. Did you know that even an unsaved person could give somebody the gospel? If that person listens to the gospel, they can get saved. But when a spirit-filled, empowered believer is part of a revived church, there is a tremendous opportunity then for God to help fast-forward the life of that, uh, that new believer very quickly when we go out. So the big need for prayer tonight, first and foremost, is for God to work in our hearts. And if we have the right focus, it will give us a fervency. You find over and over and over in the epistles of Paul and primarily, prayer for the lost. Well, certainly the burden for the lost screams out. But what is the prayer primarily for? Believers. Because if believers are where they ought to be, the lost will be reached. The problem, folks, has never been that lost aren't open. The problem has always been that God's people have struggled. From the nation of Israel not being the witness that they should be to the church of the living God over the centuries. And so you find this over and over and over, this passion. In fact, Passion in prayer really comes when you understand what a difference you can make in the life of another believer by praying for them 
and what that will mean for so many people that need to hear the gospel. See, the exciting thing about praying for another believer is that that believer has the Spirit of God in them. And so you directly are praying to the very one who indwells the people that you're burdened for, and the Spirit of God can do a mighty work. I've seen it over and over and over and over. It's just amazing. Uh, And it's just the miracles that God wants to do are tremendous. Ian Bounds said, prayer without fervor stakes nothing on the issue because it has nothing to stake. It comes with empty hands, hands too which are listless as well as empty, which have never learned the lesson of clinging to the cross. Fervorless prayer has no heart in it. It is an empty thing, an unfit vessel. Heart, soul, and life must find place in all real praying. Heaven must be made to feel the force of this crying unto God. And I find that you can't have that unless you have the Spirit-led clarity from the Word of God as to how you should pray. So we're looking at striving in prayer here tonight uh, as our uh, burden here in this uh, message. And uh, so um, let me just give some things that I believe are very key here at this time. Look with me at uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. You say, well, that doesn't really jump out at to me as a prayer passage. Well, it is a prayer passage. That conflict is the idea of striving, struggle that he was in for those people. Just like you see in Colossians chapter 4, Epaphras was fervent in prayer. Well, so was the Apostle Paul, fervent in striving for several things for these people. And so you see the uh, the, the heart of the Apostle Paul, both for the church at Colossae and Laodicea. Now, here's the big issue. The big issue was that they weren't thinking right. There were different nuances of wrong thinking in the Christian realm that had come into the Lysus Valley there and, were t- and it was taking away the cutting edge of God's power in the movement forward of those churches. Um, do we have another passage that tells us that there was some kind of a problem with the church at Laodicea? Revelation chapter 3 makes that very clear. And, uh, and wrong thinking leads to lukewarmness. And in um, this passage in chapter 2, uh, you will see wrong thinking dealt with. His burden was uh, for some of the false teaching that was coming in. Now, folks, let me say this. I don't have time to get into it. But we as believers can fall into the trap of wrong thinking that takes away our fire for God's will being done. Wrong idea of what grace is. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? Aren't you glad that he meets us in our need? But God's grace does not equal liberty. It it equals 
the ability to have freedom to do what God wants us to do. And uh, a wrong thinking along that line. Wrong thinking just about the world itself and, uh, and what life is about and what priorities are. And on and on you could go. You could make a whole list of things. But when you aren't fully in, uh, in uh, that crystal clear understanding of what Christ has done, who He is, having that relationship like we talked about this morning, seeing the glory of God, when truth is not stirring you, you've got a little bit of the wrong philosophy, that's when we're in trouble. That's when you don't have that ability to, to reach the community like God wants us to reach it. And so he had a great uh, heart for the church. He says, I constantly have you in my heart, Philippians chapter 1, verse 7. And uh, he was uh, very burdened uh, for the different churches. And so he struggled. The idea here is, <coughs> it's that same word we talk about from which we get transliterated, the word agony. And so uh, he it denotes strenuous activity, speaks of deep and earnest solitude. And uh, the powers that uh, wrestled with Paul for the ruin of his work were real and resolute. He therefore had to meet them foot to foot, force to force in Christ. And folks, what we're doing tonight is that we're praying that the deception, some things subtle, some things more obvious, but the deception that keeps back God's people from uh, really going forward in true revival in their lives, uh, we're praying that Satan will be overcome in his ability to do that. Now, folks, this is really important. What happens when a person all of a sudden fully understands who they are in Christ and their heart is lifted to, to walk with him? Are they a different person? Yeah, absolutely. And so, folks, when we're just sort of, mm, that's not a good thing. Now, it doesn't mean we're always just hyper, but we ought to be rejoicing. We ought to be living with that uh, wonderful reality of, of who Christ is and what he's doing and have that kind of fresh vision daily. And uh, we don't have the human ability, but God has the ability to do it. Revived Christianity is not some big event. It is simply New Testament Christianity actually being lived out. And so that's what he is praying for here. And honestly, it comes from people learning to know the Word of God, getting the right thinking, and to access uh, the, um, the Lord through prayer. G. Hanley Mool, the great expositor who God really got a hold of in his life, that's quite a story, says, a visitor knocked betimes one morning at the door of a good man, a, a saint of God of the noblest type, and that was a fine type indeed. He called as a friend to consult a friend uh, sure of, a, of his welcome, but he was kept waiting long. At last a servant came to explain the delay. My master has been at prayer, and this morning he has been long in getting access. <laughs> now, what is that telling you? Here was a man that wasn't going to finish prayer until he had really met with God. In other words, I didn't care who, what business had to be done, what people wanted to see him, if he hadn't met with his God, then he wasn't going to go on. 
And that is, uh, that is a very stirring, uh, uh, stirring illustration of, of how we should be praying. So let me just give you three things here we need to pray for each other on here as a lead-in to our time of prayer. First of all, we see in verse 2 that their hearts might be comforted, strengthened in their hearts. Um, the word here, encourage, is the same word from which we get comforter. Parakaleo uh, is the root there. Uh, the idea of called alongside uh, to meet the need. Now, remember the Lord said of the Holy Spirit, John 14, 16, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Isn't it wonderful that we have all the encouragement we need in Him who is in us? Folks, it's our only choice. It's our choice not to be encouraged. But, and, and let me just say this. When you're not encouraged, you're not going to do what God wants you to do. Discouraged people don't make very good soul winners. Ever notice that? Discouraged, defeated people do not do much for God. Oh, they may go through the mechanics, but they don't see much happen. That, that fire that catches hold comes in the life of a believer who has that, uh, that encouragement that is just uh, supernatural from, from the Lord. There was a Greek regiment which had lost heart and was utterly dejected. The general sent a leader to talk to it to, for the purpose that, uh, to such a purpose that courage was reborn and a body of dispirited men became fit again for heroic action. That's exactly what the prayer was to be, that God would work in the lives of the people in Colossae and Laodicea because if they didn't get encouraged, they were going to fall for, for uh, falsehood. And they weren't going to be doing what they ought to do. They were going, listen, where do people get off? They, if they're discouraged with sin and defeated, they go long enough without seeing God work, they begin to go into other types of thinking. Satan is able to get them. And folks, it is desperate, it's a desperate matter for us to be earnest in prayer for ourselves first and humbled, but to pray for one another that we would be encouraged in the inner man. Because the heart is deceitful, as Jeremiah says, and desperately wicked, who can know it? We, we have to have the Word of God through the Spirit of God uh, work in our hearts. Keep thy heart with all diligence, Proverbs 4.23, for out of it are the issues of life. And I love Ephesians 3.16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. So, can we tonight, first for ourselves, but uh, can we really get a hold of God to have the safe fervency that he had in this matter of praying that people would be encouraged in the Lord? Uh, do you think people might be discouraged today? Coming through the holidays? <laughs> it should be a wonderful time, but it can be very interesting. But the Spirit of God needs to lift people up to give Bible truth. And folks, we need to, to be praying this prayer that their hearts might be comforted, that, the, that uh, <clears throat> the Spirit of God would be the comforter to them. And then, that being knit together in love, secured by the unity of love. It has the idea of ligaments holding a body together. And that's where you are strong and able to function. 
And so if the individual units within the body of Christ are encouraged in the Lord and are walking, seeing the glory of God, the Spirit of God's going to give them a love for one another. And I'm telling you, when there is fervency of love and sacrifice for one another, that's going to spill over into a heart of willingness to sacrifice for the lost. It just works that way. If I can tell you right now, if there's not the love that should be within a family, I can tell you ministry is not happening. It may be mechanical, but it's not happening. But when there's the love of Christ within a family, and there's excitement about what God's doing, I'm telling you, that spills out into great victories. And when the family of God is excited, and there is a joy there because we love one another, and I thank God for how I see that so often here. But the more we have that, the more we experience that those relationships that are meaningful within the body, it strengthens and there is a unity. We are a body. Ephesians 4 talks about that, a body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, uh, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And uh, Ephesians 4.3 says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I'm telling you, it's, it's wonderful when you're not the only one that thinks the same way. When you have a kindred spirit, you see, prayer draws people together in love. And you have this agreement that doesn't come because you decided to agree. It comes because we have the same ground. We have the same foundation. We are stirred by the same person. And when we hear people praying and we sense uh, from others that they believe like we do and have the same passion, that strengthens us to keep going as Satan will ever do everything he can to stop us. There is like a refreshment. It's like water to the soul, a uh, thirsty soul, uh, when that is within uh, the body of Christ. And uh, God will just powerfully use that. And then finally, uh, the, the real heartbeat of this is... Um, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, settled in our understanding of the truth. I'm telling you, when people are encouraged and they're walking with God and the body of Christ is alive, then there is the, the wonderful uh, matter of a unity of truth that comes where Christ is at the center and uh, the uh, error is seen. Don't you love just the protection that we give one another? I, I'm so thankful for that. I appreciate iron sharpening iron. And uh, when we stay on cutting edge biblical thinking and we're walking with God, that's when a community will be reached. That's the whole point. Colossae, Laodicea, Heropolis, the Lysus Valley, if this wrong thinking wasn't corrected, next generation is going to be gone. Hasn't that happened in America? Think about it. Where's the fervency? Where's the power? Why is there such wrong philosophy at time among churches that call themselves evangelical? And so really, it's got, prayer needs to start at the household of God, the understanding of truth, the assurance of what we believe, that confidence in the Word of God. 
And so right in the center of this great book that talks about the preeminence of Christ, there is this great struggle in Paul's heart to pray, Lord, revive the Colossian church. Get them back to a place that they are encouraged in the things of the Lord, that they're not susceptible to the wrong thinking, and that they, uh, they are knit together, they're strengthened together with sacrificial love and they are thinking in, in a kindred spirit according to the word of God. And they are able to march together against the evil one. Folks, the body of Christ cannot be stopped. When it functions like a body, it's the most powerful force on earth. No nation is as powerful as the church. There's no organization as powerful as the church. Entire countries have been dramatically changed when the churches in the land had this kind of answer to prayer in their midst. 